Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. On Jordan's banks, the Baptist cry is heard no more. For John's body lay in the filthy bowels of Herod's prison. His bloody head perched upon a platter severed by the executioner's blade. John, the final prophet to Israel and the forerunner of the now-revealed Savior, is martyred at the request of a teenage tart. Her lascivious dance makes Herod a fool for lust, even for his own stepdaughter. While the king does his thinking with everything but his brain, his illegitimate and manipulative wife, Herodias, cunningly convinces her child to, ex to assist in some prophetic extermination. Repentance is not in her vocabulary. The historian Flavius Josephus tells us that the young woman's name is Salome. Born about 14 A.D. to Herodias, and her prior husband. She would have been in her mid-teens about this time, perhaps the age of a high school sophomore or junior. Yet, 19 centuries before sex, drugs, and rock and roll, Salome and her mother used sex, wine, and the bump and grind to maneuver Herod into ending the annoyance of John's criticism. John's continual reminders that the marriage of Herod and Herodias violated Jews, Jewish law was irksome and embarrassing. And if there's anything that a politically-minded, ambitious woman like Herodias didn't like, it was having her dirty laundry brought to the attention of the populace time and time again. She was looking for any excuse she could find to do away with John, but her husband had other ideas, the weak fool. Herod actually respected John and shielded him from his, wife, from his wife's wrath, listening to John's preaching frequently, even though he couldn't grasp it or accept it for what it taught. And so, when Herod's banquet loosened his mind and his tongue, Herodias wasted no time in taking advantage of his reckless promise to do whatever Salome wished. Painted into a corner by his own words, and with his honor at stake in front of so many of his banquet guests, Herod had no choice but to send for John's head. The sentinel of salvation is prematurely silenced, but not before he has accomplished all that he had been sent to do, all he had been called and ordained to do, to proclaim the repentance of sins and to preach the good news of the kingdom of God and that it was at hand. This entire lesson today seems somewhat out of place in Mark's account of the Gospel. Almost as if someone got the sheets of papyrus out of order when they were organizing the pages. For if you jump from the very last verse before this account to the very first verse which follows it, you wouldn't really lose a beat. The things about which King Herod had heard in the opening verse of our lesson for today are the things about the preaching and the teaching of Jesus, the miracles that were being done by Him and His disciples. And immediately after this account of John the Baptist's death, the prior story continues, 
as Jesus' disciples returned from their journeys and began to tell him all that they had done and taught. We learn from the opening verses of our lesson, though, that John actually had been killed earlier. For upon hearing the things that are being done by Jesus and his disciples, Herod speculates that John had been raised from the dead. Only then do we get this flashback which recounts the reasons behind Herodias' resentment toward John, which led to his arrest and to his eventual murder. Such are the dangers of confronting others with their sins, aren't they? You don't make many friends by pointing out how they violated God's law and placed themselves in danger of His condemnation and punishment. People would much rather have you tell them that it's perfectly okay to do whatever it is that pleases them, whatever satisfies them. You'll win more friends. You'll influence more people by smoothing over, by looking past, by whitewashing their sins than by calling them out on their sins. Live and let live. It's the motto of the damned. But the truth is, that letting others live comfortably in their sins, happy and oblivious, is really nothing more than smile and let die. Ever since sin first corrupted the human nature, and as long as sins have been done on this earth, God has sent His John the Baptists to the Herods and Herodiases of this world. Pharaoh had his Moses. Saul had his Samuel. David had his Nathan. Ahab and Jezebel, their Elijah. And yes, when you and I forget who the true king is, and we coronate ourselves as the rulers of all we survey, God continues to send prophets to us as well to proclaim his word, to confront us. We need this, for we are no better than the sinners of old. We are still a brood of vipers. We remain a, an adulterous generation. We do what is not lawful, frequently and much. Our resentment at being challenged by our sin does not negate the truth of that challenge, nor the reality of our sin. We can't hide from it. We can't put it behind closed doors. We can even try to silence the voices of those who point at us and shout, Repent! Turn from your sin and live! Flee from the wrath to come! But if no one confronts us with God's word of warning and repentance, if those voices fall silent or are just simply avoided, we will convince ourselves that everything is just fine. I've got it all under control, we think. Nobody knows my sin, and even if they do, it's nobody's business but mine, right? The party continues. The dance goes on. We do -si do right through the door of death. We hustle our way into hell. But God doesn't let that happen. Even after Herod had sliced off John's head, the word comes to him that there's more of the same being taught and done. More proclamation. More baptisms. More divinely given meals. Miracles at every turn. The Lamb of God, whom John pointed toward as the Redeemer of the world, is on the move, and He's coming your way, all you Herods and Herodiases. He brings you His word of repentance and a warning too. If you fail to listen, you'll be just as dead as John, but your suffering will just be starting. 
but the lamb comes to us with other words as well. Words that comfort. Words that assure. Words that heal up and lift up and satisfy our every true need. What John's baptism started, Jesus' baptism brings to completion. Where John's proclamation of repentance for the forgiveness of sins changed a generation for a time, Jesus' declaration of repentance and forgiveness changed the world forever. The breaking of John's body and the spilling of John's blood brought guilt and condemnation upon a king and upon his household and upon his dinner guests. But the breaking of Jesus' body and the spilling of Jesus' blood brings innocence and amnesty on all those who believe it, all who receive it in faith. It brings the true king's banquet to you, and it assures you that you will have a place at the king's banquet table and in the king's house forever. There's much horrible irony in the martyrdom of John the Baptist. He spoke the truth, and yet he fell into the hands of pretenders and deceivers. He brought the rough yet simple words of the heavenly king to Herod's family, and yet he fell victim on account of their smooth words and their complex plotting. He conveyed a solution of love and was met with hate and bitterness. His mission was to bring life to others, but it brought death upon himself. Yes, John was the forerunner of Christ, all right. Everything he did, from his own miraculous birth to his captivity and to his execution to satisfy the discomfort of the powerful and the comfortable, foreshadows what Jesus himself would later do and would later fulfill in much greater measure and with far more lasting, wide-reaching, and eternal implications. As we observe John's martyrdom this day, rejoice in the straight path that the Lord was preparing in the wilderness through John the Baptist. Heed his warning to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember his constant dedication to God's task. Admire his life of self-denial and his acceptance of his place of humility even as the Lord's prominence increased. And thank the Lord for John's faithfulness unto death. Most of all, though, remember the one whom John, to whom John always pointed, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is He, Jesus Christ, who has put your feet on that straight and narrow path to eternal life. It is Jesus who brings the kingdom of God near to you who repent. It is Jesus who kept His eyes firmly fixed on the cross laid before Him, who denied Himself and took up that cross after taking on the humility of human flesh into His divine being. It is Jesus whose resurrection from the dead ensured John's rising from the dead as well, just as it assures your rising from the dead also. The words of Jesus tell us that there is no one born of woman who is greater than John the Baptist. But on account of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, you have been brought into God's kingdom, where even the very least of us is greater than John. Jesus has won the battle that you might wear the crown. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.